while Scott is away on sabbatical, which we've been just so thrilled for him about and for what will come back to us at the end of the sabbatical. In the meantime, we've gotten to see just really wonderful um, friends of the Foundry come and speak to us. And today, that friend of the Foundry is Carl Felton. He's from Hopeville Church. It's a church that we were able to be a partner with in planting. And um, he's awesome. I've already heard his sermon in first service, and I was so blessed. So um, welcome, Carl, as he comes up and brings the word of God to us. Again, my name is Carl. I'm from Hopeville Church. Uh, I lead the student ministry there. I'm the youth pastor. Um, I'm just really glad to be here with you guys today uh, as we are just engaging in uh, just mutual fellowship as sister churches. So we just thank you all for your continued support at Hopeville and just love the way we partner together uh, in many different capacities throughout the city of Baltimore. Uh, so today we will be in Mark chapter 4. I'll be sharing about the parable of the sower. Um, so let's go ahead and read, and then I'll pray, and then we'll jump in. And it reads, And he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. And he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow, and he sowed. And some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. We're going to skip down to verse 13. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Let's pray. Father God. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for such a beautiful, shining Sunday morning where we could just come into your house and worship you. Father God, thank you for every person here under the sound of my voice. Uh, just pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds, soften our hearts and minds, Lord, to hear what it is you have to say today. Father God, I pray that you would speak through me, uh, not that things would come from me, but come from your Holy Spirit as you move in me. Speak to your people this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a quote that goes, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that to be true in my life. Uh, when I was a kid and we would have independent reading time in school uh, for about 15 minutes, I would always go for the book with the most pictures. <laughs> right. Uh, and that was just to avoid having to read all these words and be bored. Uh, but often, if, if, if an if a illustrator really knows how to illustrate, he can communicate the story 
without us having to read many words, right? Uh, when I was a kid, there was a book that I could distinctively remember the pictures. And all throughout most of my childhood, you know, middle school, high school, and getting to my 20s, and I'm volunteering in the school, and there was this picture of a book that I had in my mind that I had, had yet to see since I was a little kid. I always wondered what the title was. I always wondered how I could find it. All I knew was that there was these green circles. It turns out that the title of that book was The Hungry Worm, The Very Hungry Worm, and that was illustrated by this guy named Eric Carl. And Eric Carl was just this amazing illustrator who's known for The Very Hungry Caterpillar and this book called Brown Bear, Brown Bear, Where Are You? Now, Eric Carl was a really talented artist who actually started out as a graphic designer. He didn't really learn how to draw until later in his career. However, he's known to have illustrated many of the books that we all love, uh, children's-wise. And that book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, was just distinctively told a story visually. And so when we talk about parables, I believe that's what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus was trying to give us a clear picture that we could make connections in order to see and hear and understand the concepts and truths that he was trying to teach us about the kingdom of heaven. Now, we may ask, what is a parable, right? Well, a parable is a heavenly story or earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? It's, it's Jesus dropping keys to the kingdom to give us a perspective about what heaven is like, what a relationship with Jesus is like, the role that, that Jesus plays in our life, the role that a relationship with God the Father plays in our life. Jesus was trying to paint the picture for the audiences that he preached to of what it looks like and how they could make those connections. Simply, Jesus was, was using these very simple concepts to make connections to lofty ideas and lofty concepts about the kingdom of heaven. And that's what a parable is intended to do. If we jump back into the scripture, it reads in verse 3, it says, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. One thing I want to emphasize is that Jesus says listen over 25 times in the New Testament. What Jesus wanted to do was to emphasize the fact that he needed our attention, that he needed us to stop, to hear, and to consider the different things that he was sharing with us. It, it could also be kind of compared to uh, when, when you think about young elementary school age kids or, you know, kindergarten, preschool, first grade, what do teachers ask? Do you have your listening ears on? Right? That's when they're trying to get some type of action out of you. Or you can think about middle school, high school, college, where the, the professor will say, and by the way, this is going to be on the test, right? It's a way to get our attention and realize that, oh, I actually need this information. You're not just talking at me, right? And so Jesus, when he says, listen, consider the soul who's without the soul, I want you to hear this. I want you to reflect on it. And then I want you to, to, to take action after you hear these words that I'm going to share with you. And that's the mindset that Jesus had when he began to teach this parable. Another thing I want to point out is in verse 13 where Jesus says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? 
Jesus was trying to share that this parable is the foundation to all the things that I'm going to share with you. And this is, if you, if you can get this, then you're going to be on your way to understanding what, I, what it is I want you guys to get when you spend time with me and I'm orotating or speaking with you. If we would move on in the text in verse 4, it says, As he sowed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Jumping down to verse 14, it says, The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. And when you hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So what's happening in this text? We're talking about seeds and sowers and all these other lofty concepts related to gardening. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is trying to share about his role in the kingdom. Jesus is trying to share that I'm the person that is the distributor. I'm communicating to you guys, and you can consider Jesus to be the sower in this scripture. What Jesus is saying is that anyone who sows the word of God and all who shows the word of God, that's you and I, anyone that's, that's preaching or sharing scripture, we're sowers. We're engaging. We're sharing. We're encouraging. We're doing all these things, and people are guarded soil. Next, we hear about the seed. Well, the seed would be the Word of God. The seed could also be Scripture, prayer, praying for somebody, maybe performing an act of kindness. Think about church outreach and all these different things that we're doing. But, but, but the seed in this context is the Word of God, but it's almost anything that we do to encourage someone, anything we do to plant the seed, Anything we do to share the love of Jesus, that will be the seed. That is something that we're trying to share that we hope will take root as it, in, as it touches the heart of a person. And then we jump into the soil. You see, in the text, if we were to read the whole thing, it, it would talk about uh, the path. Then it talks about the, the seed that is sown on the rocky ground. Then it talks about the seed that is that is that actually starts to grow and sprout and, and gets choked out by weeds and, and vines. And then we hear about the soil that fell on good ground. But in this context, today we're focusing on the path, the seed that fell on the path. And the path is a representation of a hard heart. Now, when we talk about the path, it's not just a path, but 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 I want you guys to to, to close your eyes and think about that patch in your yard, that patch that, that looks like stone-hard ground, and well, it is, <laughs> and, and really nothing will grow there. Grass doesn't grow there. It's, a, it's an ugly patch in your yard. Or think about anyone who spends time in a park or in a garden, and there's a path there that, that's consistently walked over, and it's just hard ground, almost as if it was paved. That represents the path in this scripture. It's, it's when seeds are being dropped on ground that is hard, yet there is no opportunity for it to get up under the soil, no opportunity for it to take root because it's hard. It's not soft. It can't really receive what's being dropped on it. That represents the path. And this path here is, is a representation of a person who has a hard heart. Now, what gives a person a hard heart? You can think about someone that's been mistreated, someone that's been abused, someone that, that, that feels like they just can't be open, they can't trust others, 
you can think about the heart with almost a cast iron armor around it. That represents the hard heart. However, the hard heart doesn't always have to be hard forever, right? But in context of this scripture, I want to ask a question. When you think about the sower and you think about the soil, which one are you? Would you be the person who is distributing seeds of love, encouragement, scripture, prayer, or would you be the hard soil? Now, if I can be honest, that was a trick question. <laughs> you see, because there's levels to this, right? Some of us are followers of Jesus, and we have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe there are lives, parts of our lives that we have not yet surrendered to Jesus. Maybe there's areas in our life that we are not really open to him informing how we live or influencing how we live. Maybe there's just some scriptures we've read that we just aren't receiving or receptive to. Or maybe we're just not open to different truths or revelations that Jesus is sharing with us. And if you're not really sure where you fall, maybe we can ask ourselves a couple questions like, is God's will the highest priority for my life? Maybe we can ask ourselves, is, is Jesus integrated into my daily life and my thoughts and my prayers and my actions? Or am I going through life selfishly? We can also ask ourselves, do I desire to learn more, do more, and be more like Jesus? And this is the toughest one, number four. Does my relationship with Jesus inform every aspect of my life? If we take the time to reflect over these questions, it will reveal whether or not we've surrendered all of our hearts to Jesus. Or if there's some areas we're not giving him access to, some areas where we're not open to, some areas where we just don't really want him to influence us. Or maybe you are someone who just has a hard heart and you're not open to any of this. Maybe someone has tried to encourage you and you said, no, thank you. Maybe someone has prayed for you and you weren't even open to that. Well, I believe Jesus has a word for you too. If we look in Jeremiah chapter 29, 13, it reads, You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And this is a word that the prophet Jeremiah was sharing that he got from the Lord to encourage those who were distant from God. That if you take the time to to seek him, to seek his face, maybe you ask him, are you real? Maybe ask him, what's, what's this thing that everybody's doing? How come everyone's worshiping? How come I don't experience you the same way others seem to experience you? That when we ask for him to reveal himself to us, this scripture is telling us that we'll find him when we search for him, genuinely. Then in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
Now, these words are speaking to the person that, that, that just needs a total restoration. But it speaks to the power of God to take the heavy hearts that we have, to take the hard heart of cast iron around it and to replace it with something that is soft and reflective and open. That's the power of the Lord. He has the power to change and transform hearts. The scripture even says that the Lord has the power to change hearts like streams of water. You ever seen a very powerful force of water that just changes the direction? Even though there's a path laid out for it, it goes wherever it wants to. God has the power to do that with hard hearts. He can change the whole thing and help us to be open in ways we were never open before. That's why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. That just speaks to the power of Jesus. And if you think about a house, think about a uh, 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 someone trying to do some home improvement. And it's not just piecing things together. But when, when we allow Jesus into our heart, when he truly comes into our life, he transforms all of us from the inside out. It's almost like a total demolition. And then he rebuilds and makes it nice and beautiful. If I can share about how the scripture has looked in my life, I want to share about some of my humble beginnings as a youth pastor. In the year 2016, I had the pleasure of working at a camp called Summer's Best Two Weeks, City Kids. And when I had came to that camp that summer, I didn't really know, I had just finished undergrad, I didn't really know what my next steps were. However, when I got to the camp and, you know, began to talk to the camp director, Samathias Pope, about my life and I wasn't really sure. I had these job opportunities that I was kind of apprehensive about, something I could do as a next step post-college, but not really something I was excited about. I didn't really feel like that's what the Lord was leading me. And by the end of that summer, I actually left that camp with a job from a nonprofit partner of Summer Best Two Weeks. That partner was Hartford City Mission. And Hartford City Mission was in the market for uh, a youth pastor to come and lead and launch a new after-school program to kind of fill the gap in their pipeline from K to K to 12 outreach and programming for youth. And when I had gotten there, it was literally a quick turnaround. I got asked to come up for an interview early August, mid-August, August 20th or something like that. By September 6th, I had moved to Hartford, Connecticut and accepted the job. Now, my responsibility was to launch an after-school program to provide and fill the gaps of the K-12 continuum. And I was told that they would do all the recruiting and they would handle all the heavy lifting. But after a couple weeks launching the program and school started, and there were some expectations that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware that I would be responsible for marketing and, and enrollment. They told me all those things would be taken care of on the front end. But that wasn't the case. Mind you, when I'm getting there, I don't realize that this organization had been through three executive directors in five years. So there had been a lot of transition, a lot of change. But there was this group of kids that had been in this program since they were in kindergarten. And this 
middle school continuum was being put in place to make sure that there was something that could sustain the investment of these families and these kids that had been with them from the very beginning. On the screen, you see two of those young men that I had the pleasure of working with during my time in Hartford, Connecticut. On the, on the left in the blue shirt is Andrew. On the right is Cody. Now, remember, I had the expectation of having 16 kids in my program. I was struggling from day one. Launched with 10 kids. After a couple of weeks, there were eight kids. And out of that number, these two are the biggest problem, <laughs> right? You see, again, like I said, they had been there from the very beginning. So they, they were frustrated. They were hurt. They, they had a lot of pain. So all I was was this new person trying to tell them to come in, what, tell them what to do. And they didn't really know if I was going to be around. They didn't really know if they could trust me, if they could be open to me. Andrew would come around every day, and it seemed like he wanted to be Mr. Opposite. If it was snack time, he wanted to watch TV. If it was homework time, he wanted to eat a snack. If it was actually time to jump into our character development lesson or go through some scripture, he wanted to do his homework. Anything I did, Andrew wanted to do the opposite. And then Cody. Cody was lying to his mother about coming to program every single day. Now, midway through week two on a Wednesday, I called his mother and said, hey, I haven't seen Cody. She said, Cody said he'd been there. I said, Cody hadn't been here. And so she was very concerned and worried. Now, this is a mom who didn't know if she could trust me. She didn't know me like that. She, for all I knew, I could be lying to her. That's how she felt. So here we are. I have these two guys whose families have been quite invested in the organization, yet we didn't really have their investment at the time. Fast forward to the month of October, I had to make a presentation at a board meeting, and the board wanted to know about the progress of this program that they had invested so much money into. They weren't happy with the fact that we weren't at 16 kids. They weren't happy with the inconsistent attendance numbers. They weren't happy with the fact that some of their families that they created this program for weren't really invested in it. So here I am, frustrated, got out of my first board meeting, got beat up, felt misled, felt mistreated, felt unsupported, and I could not wait for program to end on that Friday the next day. And when program ended, I found myself just heavy. And so what I did was I walked around the neighborhood, and I'm just venting, I'm mad, I'm irritated, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pack up and go back to Baltimore, or maybe even go home to PG County, Maryland. But it was at this time where, after I got everything I had to say out, I started praying. I prayed for God to, to, to meet me in the midst of this situation. I prayed for him to help me fix it. I, helped, I prayed for him to fix everybody else, because I wasn't the problem. <laughs> But after about 15 minutes, you know, I finished praying and I ended up three miles out further than I have ever explored my new neighborhood that I moved into. While I'm walking through the neighborhood, I pass a basketball court and there ends up being a kid there shooting hoops. And who is it? None other than Andrew Norwood. <laughs> so I walk up to him. I was like, maybe this is my opportunity to beat him up for the hard time he's given me. 
But instead, I engaged in a conversation with him, just asking about how he's doing. And we started getting to know each other. And he would pass me the basketball, and we started shooting hoops. And he would say, okay, you might be a little cool. <laughs> but that was the first time we ever had a conversation that had nothing to do with expectations in after-school program. It was the first time that we had an opportunity to engage in relationship building. It was the first time that he saw me as a true human being, not just this new adult who came in to tell him what to do. There's another side of the story, which was Cody Lee. See, Cody lived on the same street that I lived on, about eight houses down. And so when I was walking about a couple weeks later, his mother invited me in the house for dinner. I was like, really? <laughs> and it turned out to be an opportunity for me to get to know his parents and hear about their history and their relationship to the organization and all these different things. And then Cody got to see another side of me. What I'm trying to say is that Oftentimes, there's a script for us to follow. There's a script for us to implement when it comes to programs, when it comes to outreach, when it comes to small groups, when it comes to the way we do church. But a lot of people don't care about all these transactional efforts. They're more concerned about building genuine relationships. And so what I believe the Lord is trying to position us to do when we engage people who are not receptive, who have hard hearts, who've been hurt, who've been abused, who feel neglected, the Lord is inviting us to help and partner with him in cultivating the soil. If we read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7 and 9, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. For we are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. One thing that's important for us to understand is that God is just calling us to show up. God is just calling us to share what he's already put in our hearts. God is just calling us to share with others what was shared with us. Now, what you see uh, in the picture on the screen is last summer, after I had been gone for a few years, Cody actually graduated from high school. What I didn't share with you guys is that these are the only two kids I actually am still in contact with from that area. So it seems that once we began to cultivate genuine relationships, even when I left, these relationships sustained. And that's what happens when we, when we cultivate strong relationships. It can withstand transition. It can withstand growth. It can withstand these guys going to college. One's in the college, one's in the military. But we're still in consistent communication. We talk at least once a month. But what I'm sharing with you is that God is, is not only calling us to serve others, but as we serve others, God wants to do a work inside of us. See, he's continually softening our hearts so we can get a better picture of who he's called us to be. So we can get a better picture of who he is and, and, and the fact that he's in control of all things. That's what God is trying to do when we engage people who seem like the past who seem like they may have a hard heart. But everything is an opportunity for discipleship when we're walking with Jesus. So I'm going to leave you guys with three things before we close out. 
The whole idea here is partnering with God to cultivate the soil. But how do we do that? Number one, I want you guys to think about who has God placed in your life? Who's around you? Who's around your neighborhood? Who's at work? Who are the people in your life in proximity to you that you believe that you can plant seeds? Maybe it's buying a coffee, an extra coffee in the morning. Maybe it's sharing snacks that you happen to have at your desk. Maybe it's just saying hello to all the people on your street that you ignore. <laughs> they seem like they don't want to talk, so I'm not going to talk to them. <laughs> I know that's me. But I believe that everything is an opportunity to plant seeds. Number two, we got to trust God to do the work. The scripture says one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. I think too often we, we think it's all on us. And sometimes that, that's why we do nothing. However, God is just inviting us in an opportunity to co-labor with him. We don't have to carry these heavy loads. Maybe we don't need to have all these lofty ideas. Maybe we don't need to plan this perfect event. But maybe it's just in being genuine, being normal. Maybe something you would do for one of your friends, you just do for somebody you don't know. And that could mean all the world. Or maybe you can see that someone's down, they've been quieter than normal. Maybe it's sharing an encouraging word or just having a check-in with them. And if it doesn't work, don't take it personal. <laughs> Some of us have such hard hearts that it's going to take many and many and many touches of cultivation to get behind that cast iron barrier. Therefore, we ought to be faithful. That's number three. Be faithful. It's not on us. We're sowing seeds. Farmers plant things, and sometimes they don't know that everything is going to turn out the way that they expect it to. But that doesn't stop them from dropping seeds. God has just called for us to show up and to share his love as we love on others. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to just hear from you about your process for cultivating the soil. Lord, we're so thankful that you have invited us to partner with you as you go about doing your work and transforming lives and changing hearts. Father God, today I'm praying for the person who is a sower in there, they feel like no one's receiving the seed. None of it's taking root. None of it's growing. I pray that you would encourage that person. Then I want to pray for the person who, who has a relationship with you, but there are certain areas in their life that they are not open to you uh, kind of interfering with. Lord, I pray that you will soften their heart and show them that you are the one who satisfies and that anything in, in their life that maybe it's hurt, maybe it's pain, but maybe it's, it's certain idols I pray, Lord, that you would show them that you can satisfy more than anything this world can. And lastly, Lord, I pray for the person that just has a hard heart and don't know you. Lord, meet that person. Show that person that you are the real deal. Show them, Lord, that you have a desire to meet every need that they have, not just physical, Lord, but the spiritual, Lord. 
that you can restore the brokenness on the inside of them. You can restore their, their broken story. You can fulfill them and meet them in places that nobody else or nothing else in this world can. And Lord, I just pray that we would all be encouraged, Lord, to rest in you, to trust you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.